from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. November 15th, 2019, you're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, and over there in our Orlando, Florida studios, we have our producer, making sure that everything goes according to plan, Chandler Strang. <laughs> Hello. And, and I will report behind the scenes, we are already in the ditch, and Chandler did nothing <laughs> to prevent that. Well, that's what we have a failsafe. We have a failsafe there. If, things, if Chandler loses control, then we have a steady hand right by the wheel to, to grab it and rest us back onto the road. That would be my friend, John David Harris. Hey, J.D. Greetings. And out there in Loveland, Virginia, completely useless to the staying on the road process, <laughs> who, can, who can't do anything, who can only watch in horror as things go into the ditch from Loveland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. No guardrail can handle me. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I plow right through them, right into deep ditches. So. Oh, we got a good one today. We uh, The man, the myth, the legend, N.T. Wright, is going to be joining us to talk about his brand new book, The New Testament in Its World, an introduction to the history, literature, and theology of the first Christians. We talk about this a lot on this podcast. I know this comes up a lot. I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but whenever you get to interview somebody who's got that British accent working yeah. for him, it's just, it could, he's NT right. He's a smart guy. He doesn't need he's the accent. He's a scholar at Oxford. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not a, this is not a, this is just a grace note, but he wouldn't have to be. He could just be some guy we pulled out of a, a yeah. gutter in Leeds and he, and I would still be like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> that book is massive too. Have you like, like it's it's enormous. It's like a textbook. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's big. He's written like seven or eight phone books worth of scholarly <laughs> writings on Jesus of the New Testament. You know, it would be funny though because I, <laughs> like the casual listener probably doesn't know like what NT Wright sounds like just off the top of their head. They may have heard interviews, but, but they probably don't yeah, have. Yeah, it's true. not like Ira Glass in their head or something. You know. If we yeah, just yeah, yeah, got sure. a random British guy and we're like, hey, we got N.T. Yeah. Wright on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many people did, would even get, notice? We couldn't get N.T. Wright, but but maybe we could just get some random, if we just flew over there really fast or just went to some poor <laughs> exchange program, just be like, here, just read this. Well, yeah, Richard Archibald's on the show today. Yeah, <laughs> reading, yeah. portraying N.T. Wright. Good show. Good show. <laughs> you caught this. I watched, uh, I watched, maybe you might have seen this scrolling through Netflix, The King Last yeah, night, I started yeah, The yeah, King, yeah. Timothy Chalamet, and, that and looks Pattinson, like it, and all it, those guys. It, it, it's an ode to medieval movies and really big swing haircuts. Like, uh, that is it. <laughs> like, can we take, haircuts and wigs. Can we take some of the most attractive talent that we have on planet uh-huh. Earth right now, that some of the most attractive people to put on a movie screen, and can we give them hair so terrible that they are actually <laughs> repulsive? And, and and then do like catapults that shoot flaming balls and make the movie like three hours. Uh, and that's the king. That was the pitch. I think that's literally the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> that was the pitch. There's the elevator pitch. Okay. We get- yeah. That was that was the attraction. That was the attraction. It's like it's like when Charlize Theron did her like like got ugly for monster a few yeah. years yeah. ago. Yeah. That was her big like swing for an Oscar. But this one they didn't even have to. They're just like here, just put this wig on and go. Don't, like, don't imagine- think about it. Don't think. Don't Imagine think, the act. guy from Twilight dressed up as Ellie Fanning. 
Like just, <laughs> I do. just give him the, the Rachel. I, I, I do. There are two speaking of Netflix though. You brought something to my attention that, you know, right now the world's going crazy for, and I think we're going to talk about it a little bit in the hot list for Disney plus. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, it's Everyone's, the, sweep in the yeah. nation. I'm assuming to have all you guys downloaded Disney plus. Yes, I, I do. Yeah. have Disney Chandler, plus. are you a Disney? Are you a streaming guy or do you watch all your stuff on like, pirated bit torrent sites that you know originate like eastern europe what's your what's your strategy for for watching stuff i have uh i have prime and hbo and that's it okay okay so modest so disney plus is dropping this week and what does netflix do they're like well everyone you know everyone's gonna bail uh how mm-hmm. what is the big mm-hmm. gun we can we can bring out Oh, yeah. And try to save, yeah. you know, save some of these subscribers. What are we going to put on? Because the king isn't flying. The haircut idea <laughs> is not keeping that people. That was, was an, that was an odd it was decision. Great on paper. It looked great on paper. It was only a, the budget was a mere hundred and seventy five million dollars. It was a swing and a miss. <laughs> what can we do to keep people from going and watching the Mandalorian in game and the new lady in the tramp? What can we do? What can we do? And Tyler, you brought to my attention that as of what I can assume I is pretty recently. I think so. Now available on Netflix is um, <laughs> is <laughs> the Nicolas Cage version of the film Left Behind. And oh, yeah. oh man, what, what a, a coup! Yeah, a coup in the streaming wars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Amazon, Apple, all of them were making a bid somehow. Somehow Netflix landed this masterpiece of apocalypse films, which it, it, it like gave me an idea because I know that like pure flicks is sort of like the Christian Netflix or the Christian like right. streaming Kinda. service. Yeah. 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 They have like a lot of original programming and like family friendly mm-hmm. films. I think we need an all apocalypse streaming service. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, like, like, cause there's, there's definitely Plus, enough there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And they wouldn't have to be Christian, but they could be, there's probably enough Christian end times move to the thief in the night movies, the multiple left behind movies. Cause they're, they rebooted tribulation, the tribulation reboot, of course, movies. Uh, the tribute, the tri- and then, uh, uh, then you got like there's there's like Omega Code. There were a bunch of off brand ones back in the day, that, <laughs> and they well, got, they always it wasn't quite like D list, but it was just above D. They got like Gary Busey and mm-hmm. Howie Mandel to like star, mm-hmm. and like literally they those two actually star in some of these. There's always time. a Baldwin brother in all of them, <laughs> <laughs> like not 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 like an Alec though. You know, no, I mean, we're no, below no, Steven. No, no, no. We're actually below Steven. It's level. like a something Alan. Baldwin, but I can't remember their yeah. first name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think the What do you think the Baldwin the Baldwin Thanksgiving is going to be like this year? What do they What do those guys talk about? Because they have very well. well now Bieber's in the oh, mix. Oh yeah, that's right. Now so Bieber's it's in a the very. Family. It's a It's a very diverse array. Array. It's about as diverse an array of like of like wealthy white people as you could get around a table because the Baldwins are all over the map in terms of their, their, their like spiritual and political and cultural uh, leanings. You've got Steven who kind of holds down, keeps pure flicks in business. Well, and they're all like a few degrees off of how sufferable they are <laughs> or insufferable, you know, su- insufferability like is pretty close on, on some of them, especially I'm not a big Alec fan, you know, but, but, uh, but I do think that, that in terms of like getting 
the new left behind movie this is definitely like a napoleon at waterloo move for the streaming wars it's the reason that i it's the reason you know i'm i'm i've, I've considered for the first time since i got it being like do i really need netflix like is this really gonna does netflix really bring much <laughs> but i i can't let go yeah, if, if I, I know it's got the left behind the nick cage left behind is there I, waiting for me anytime i want you, to wh- we all we all grew up somewhat similarly in that we were all to to some degree exposed to Christian in time cinema. Um, oh sure. And so my uh, my question to you guys is: What is your favorite moment from an apocalypse movie, Chandler? I want to start with you because I'm sure you had to watch at least one of these <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I mean, not really. That's you the, never no. had to watch one. No, no, no. Oh. I had to watch in my at my Christian like I think it was probably like in junior high and we watched the old Thief of the Night movies like the ones (laughs) from like the seventies yeah right yeah that's what I was thinking I was I was I was like watching McGee and me and stuff like that like I wasn't uh, oh they never made it they never made an end times with McGee and me. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's a lot, a yeah. way more. Totally they can always <laughs> <laughs> like McGee gets raptured, but the kid gets left behind. And he's, yeah. it, it ends. No, no. It, the episode ends with them dragging McGee to the guillotine. The forces yeah, of the Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be my answer for sure to your question, Jesse. The guillotine moment in in the thief in the. It is the most crazy. theologically perplexing. They they do this long movie. So it's this for people who haven't seen it. It's thief in the night, and I'm sure it's a available somewhere like oh, yeah. if you can find it on youtube but uh you know like the whole premise is that um y- you know it- it's like a literal telling of like uh of the rapture and the the end of days as told in revelation but for some reason like there are several scenes of mass executions and it has the most theologically confusing ending of any movie I've ever seen because one of the protagonists, spoiler alert, by the way, like I'm pretty <laughs> sure this movie has been out for almost 40 years or 45 years. But the, the, the protagonist who has been faithfully like she's got left behind, obviously, but she refused to take the mark and is trying to do the right thing and make it through the apocalypse and, and, and find, you know, soul redemption. And as the and, and she's refused to take the mark at least as the blade is falling on her, for some reason, the filmmakers made the decision to have her scream, I'll take the mark. And the blade falls and it's too late. It. And it's like, what and am I it. supposed to do with this? There was like, no, what, a, what a, that's, that's the inverse of a hero's journey. Yeah, like I mean, does opposite. that mean that means does that mean she basically got the mark? Did, did is Grace going to intervene? Like she was technically martyred. She got the worst of every world. Not only did she apostatize at the yeah. end of her life, not only did she refuse the grace of Jesus, she also got beheaded. Yeah. A lose, lose, lose yeah. situation yeah. for our hero. I don't, I don't remember. And it was a guillotine. Like they had, they tried to do as much as they could at the time. Like it was, it was very modern. They had yeah. tanks rolling in the streets. It was a limited budget. There weren't tanks. There may have been a Jeep or something like that, but it was, yeah. there was no reason to assume that they would have reverted all of a sudden to revolution era France methods of execution. But in this movie, that's what they did. I actually so, have a, I actually have a, a theory about the Netflix left behind release. Relationship. Oh, okay. I think it's actually something that's very meta that Netflix is saying with everybody leaving to go over to Disney oh, Plus. The only people like, that are like people are getting left raptured off the Netflix behind. service 
are there to watch Netflix. And I think they're trying to do like a little inside baseball joke to be like, thank you all for staying here. Now you're going to suffer through seven years of tribulation while we figure out our Nickelodeon plan. <laughs> With yeah. a movie that feels at least seven years long. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be three and a half hours of good movie and then three and a half hours of really bad movie that are part of this uh, tribulation process of Netflix. There are some tribulation, like straight up deep cuts, though. There's one, and I wrote about this for the site a long time ago. Maybe I'll repost, reshare the article on social when the pod comes out. Uh, that is from the 70s, and it's called If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do? Which is <laughs> the raddest the name. Most metal title. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the, the filmmaker was like an exploitation filmmaker. Like he did like uh, straight up like old grindhouse movies. Okay. He did a movie called uh, The Monster and the Stripper. Right. And okay. so one of those uh, kinds of guys. And he was a roller derby entrepreneur, but he survived two plane crashes and decide maybe God's trying to tell me something. I will use my talents now to bring people to him. And he created a footman tire. You what will horses do? It is like it's on YouTube, the whole thing. And it is the most graphically violent in times revelation movie I, I've ever seen. But it's, it's very similar to the plot of like in remember that. Have you guys ever seen the Chuck Norris movie Invasion USA? Oh, I don't know. I, I missed that one in both of these films in both of these films. The end times is ushered in by a random army from like Cuba. Or or whatever whatever <laughs> so country in the seventies esque maybe yeah oh, but literally yeah, nice. they take over by just storming a beach like literally people <laughs> are just hanging out at a beach at a random beach and boats from Cuba just drive and they just start indiscri- they just run onto the beach and start indiscriminately shooting everyone and that's all it takes to take over the whole world it's just mm-hmm. literally they just storm the beach and just keep coming and all of a sudden they've taken over and they've ushered in the apocalypse yeah. once you get once you get Huntington the rest of America can't be too far behind <laughs> yeah but I'm pretty sure it's like in Florida I mean, it's like uh, <laughs> Saint, yeah St. Hawk Clearwater has fallen you know like, <laughs> they <laughs> <laughs> they've captured Tallahassee um, we surrender we surrender no but we need a streaming service to collect all of these films I think and I think that's the only uh, true alternative to Disney Plus and all that so, Jesse yeah. I want to ask one question here I'm looking at the rundown and you've dropped in you've dropped in a talking point <laughs> and I don't know of a, I don't know of a natural way to bring this up so I'm just going to say you so it just says ask Jesse about his hotel trap <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. I would assume that was your addition. To I don't know. Chandler, did you put that in there? Did you hear about what happened to me? Yeah, I was curious. Uh, you know, I had okay, a feeling. Good. A lot of people buzzing. are buzzing about it. That's we're, why we're, already, we're, we're already going. We're, we're, we're already off the rails. So why bother? Yeah, Jesse? We're already deep in the ditch. I mean, what can you tell wheels. me about the, your hotel trap? So I minded my own business the other day. I'm checking. I'm doing my thing, doing some work, probably prepping a podcast. And I get an email confirmation and it's from a major hotel chain. I'm not going to say which one, but it's not like, you know, it's if the spectrum is, you know, Hilton on one end and La Quinta Inn, you know, on the other, it's closer to the La Quinta inside. I won't give away the name of the hotel chain notifying me that I it is a it is a confirmation that a room it has been booked in my name for the okay. upcoming weekend. Uh, for a hotel in North Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. I have never been to Phoenix. I don't know anyone in Phoenix, but for some, some, somehow 
a room had been booked to the name Jesse Carey to a hotel in North Phoenix. And and it, it, could, it can't be a mistake because it came to my email like it couldn't. You know, there's no other to my, you know, work email address. And so yeah. I like call. I'm like, well, maybe there's like a junket or like an interview or something like maybe maybe Jess on our team. Somebody booked this for me because maybe I'm like traveling a present, to Phoenix. like a nice like a nice thing. Maybe just a, a surprise gift. Yeah. Yeah. A trip to Phoenix for the what? Well, no, it could have been like, oh, <laughs> you, you know didn't what? realize Place you had to go nice. out there and uh, this time of year in North yeah, Phoenix. Sure, you know, sure. we, we booked that interview yeah, with that guy. Yeah, who sounds Bell's, like in, Rob Bell's out there in Phoenix. There's this British guy. He sounds like N.T. Wright. We figured <laughs> you could talk to him. He's in North Phoenix this weekend to sit down for a continental breakfast. And so I looked at the details of the room. Here's what is creepy about it. Okay. There it's a room and they sit and they, and they made a specific request that it has two queen beds. Okay. So that makes it even creepier because that's not like someone just wants to go treat me to a room. That's like someone wants to go, you know, stay in this room with me. I Mm -hmm. guys, I was so conflicted about what to do. Like the right thing to do is call the hotel and say, obviously there's been a mix up here. The other thing to do is to immediately go and look how much it would cost to fly to Phoenix. Check into this room. Check into this room and just, just sit on one of those queen wait. beds and see who walks through that door in a couple hours. Because somebody you have to do it. it. You, do, you have to do it no country style, where like you have Josh Brolin sitting there with the gun in hand, because anybody could come through right. that door. Yeah, take a it, seat. It could be. It could. Yeah, exactly. It could Let's, be. This, this could be an ambush. But why would somebody do that? It feels to me like a trap. They're like, I know how we can trap Jesse. We'll book him a stay in a nice hotel. Uh, any logical person would be like, well, I don't know who booked this, and I don't know why I'm traveling to this city, but I'm not going to turn this down. You know? Do you think? <laughs> do you think it's possible that your podcast persona, in which you you talk quite a bit about how often you say yes to things, yes, you know, how you're you're kind of open to to what the universe brings? This is a test. Do you think this is maybe this is finally caught up to your enemies? And this is about as far putting as it to the test. This is about the limit of because I yeah, like interacting true. with with strangers. I, I like taking people up on weird experiences, but getting randomly booked a hotel room in a city <laughs> very <laughs> far away with with two beds for two Other nights. side of the country. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure if it's I checked elaborate. into that, if I checked into that room, whatever would have happened last weekend would be an, a fantastic <laughs> story. But the downside is. I could also be dead and shoved in one of those queen size mattresses. So I did not take it, but I I do. JD, I feel like you're you're a man of the world. You you mm. know. Do you think this was a trap? Do you think somebody you know just set the bait and was waiting for me to check in? I kind of hope so because I think that's like a great trap to set. The only thing is, I wish they would have just done it somewhere slightly co- closer to home. To yeah. make yeah. it actually like yeah. if you were really trying to trap somebody, I don't know if North Phoenix is the place <laughs> to trap somebody like I if feel it was like in if it was in Virginia Beach, would you have gone? I probably would have if it was because I could just, you know, I could just drive over there and be like, all right, well, I guess we got a room tonight. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 Stay with me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I heard great things about the the Sheridan renovation. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't know what the motivation was. I can only assume Someone in Phoenix was trying to murder me. And so uh, I maybe I should call them back. Maybe I should, you know, see if uh, you know, maybe. How about this, guys? If I get another hotel reservation for oh. another city booked in my name, 
I I will give you my word. I will travel there and check into that room. And just see what <laughs> JD, would you would you do it, JD? If you found if it was in Orlando, if it was in the Orlando area, JD, would you have gone? I might have. I might have. It would, it honestly would. I'm kind of a lazy fellow, um, <laughs> so it would depend. Like if I had nothing else going on, and I was like, okay. And it also depends on the kind of hotel. Like if this was like a Disney resort, absolutely. I'd be there living it up. But if it was like, if it was like some cheap chain hotel at the end of I drive, I think I'd just let them have it. But I think there's more to this. I think you could totally like prank the hotel now because you technically stayed there. So you could call and make up the most audacious claims to like the front desk people oh, and man, like he's got a good point really yeah. just like live That's this up You're like i am jesse carey i know that there was mayonnaise in between the sheets of these beds <laughs> and just like go to town on like freaking what, these people what out recourse would they have yeah exactly yeah, what, could they, yeah. what could they do what yeah. could they how do that, how would they, they prove you wrong I, it feels it feels like and a it's trap. kind of their fault for accepting the fake jesse into their arms you know so yeah i say yeah. all's fair yeah yeah, hmm. it's it's hmm. like, you know, maybe this is too gross. Uh, I try to avoid bathroom humor, but this it felt like an obvious trap. It's like if you I've walked into like a bathroom one time at like a, like a public restroom and the stall doors open and someone had already prepped the seat with toilet paper. And mm-hmm. you're like, mm-hmm. who did that and left? Why did they leave? You know, <laughs> that's a trap. That is a trap. If I've ever seen one, evacuate this. Get out of here, everyone. Someone set a trap in the bathroom. <laughs> Why would they do that and leave? It makes no sense. You know, you feel kind of like Jason Bourne or John Wick, where you like you can just tell that one thing is off. And you're like, yeah, he's already get out. He's already, get out. Someone prep the seat. Are all, your men are left. already dead. I'm sure N.T. Wright would be thrilled with this. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're sticking with for N.T. Wright, oh, you've got a long way to go. you got a long way to the go. World's form, are, if you, yeah, the world's foremost New Testament scholar fans, you had to sit through that. It'll be another few minutes. <laughs> We're not even close yet. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. The Hot List. To shaking, it's by Hazel English. Beginning of the podcast, you heard "Warm" by Stevan. Okay, it's time for it's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. Uh, coming at number five this week, Ben Affleck is back. He's going to star in a redemptive new sports movie called The Way Back. The actor is teaming up again with filmmaker Gavin O'Connor, best known for movies including Miracle, Warrior, and The Accountant. Like Warrior, The Way Back is a sports movie, but it's also one about faith and overcoming addiction. Here's the official synopsis. Jack Cunningham, played by Affleck, once had a life filled with promise. In high school, he was a basketball phenom and a full university scholarship when suddenly, for reasons unknown, he walked away from the game, forfeiting his future. Now, years later, Jack is spiraling down. 
triggered by an unspeakable loss and drowning in the alcoholism that cost him his marriage and any hope for a better life. When he is asked to coach basketball team at his alma mater, which has fallen far since his glory days, he reluctantly accepts, surprising no one more than himself. As the boys start to come together as a team and win, Jack may have finally found a reason to confront the demons that have derailed him, but will it be enough to fill the void, heal the deep wounds of his past, and set him on the road to redemption? Uh, we'll have, we'll see when the movie comes out in March. Here's a clip of that trailer, uh, set to Bon Ivers, Heavenly Father. What's going on with you? What's new? Not much. Hate the idea of you down there by yourself all the time. Just drinking. I'm fine. I appreciate it. But it's... I'm fine. Ever since I heard the howling wind And I suppose you're wondering why I called you over here. I didn't need to go where a Bible went. Our basketball coach had a heart attack the other night. We need a new coach, Jack. And you know your gifts seem heaven sent. Is the team any good? No. The last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. Man, th- th- this movie has everything. This is like, if they had a focus group that consisted of me, and they're just like, all right, we're going to make a movie. And I'm like, all right. And I just tell and they, they're like, we're going to make a movie. We're just going to have a trailer. I'm like, we'll have a Boney Bear song that has spiritual themes to it. And it's going to get my hook in there. Now get a big star who's in the movie on his ropes. And for some reason he's getting recruited for a job by a priest in a confession booth in the trailer. Okay. I'm in, I'm in. He's drinking beer in the shower. This guy's obviously seen better days. Oh, this looks like a ragtag bunch. These kids, they have a wanting, they have wanting, this kid missed, you know, 35 th- threes last year. He ain't even made the playoffs since he was, since Ben Affleck was in high school. They're terrible. They're a laughing stock. <laughs> That's the setup. And it's the perfect setup. Even though we've seen this movie a thousand times, like either it's with true. like a ragtag football team or mm-hmm. that Keanu Reeves movie where he has a court order. He's got to go coach baseball, a little league, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. we've seen this movie and I don't care. And I <laughs> love it. Give me this movie. Give me some burnout, you know, Middle-aged guy who's forced to coach kids at sports who are terrible at sports and, you know, bad news bear type of situation while conquering his own demons or give me a heist movie. Those are the two I'm in no matter what. Like you're telling me there's a gang that's getting back together. One more heist and it's impossible (laughs) and there's a snitch and there's a wild card and something goes wrong through the heist. I'm in that movie, too. Those are the two movies. I'm going to see every single one of them. Jesse, you've got you. Uh, I know you played quite a bit of quite a few sports. That's when right. You were in high school. You're an athlete. I, I'm curious because I because I didn't. I'm okay. curious if because in this trailer, there's a moment in which Ben Affleck asks one of the players for his new team, his his kind of ragtag, yep. his, his motley crew of basketball players, how many threes he said, and he says he's missed some like crazy number. Yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah. he, and and I think Affleck responds like, "Well, no wonder nobody's covering you." Is that something that, because that sounds, that, that is, that is like verbal abuse. That is a cruel thing for someone to say to, but do coaches do this? I mean, no wonder I mean, our schools from, are falling apart. From my experience, I never had a nice coach ever. They were all mean jerks and they would all say terrible things to the players all the time. That was, that was just the style, uh, especially when I, I don't know if it's still like that these days. I don't know if coaches get away with it, but I mean, you know, them making fun of your poor shooting percentage was, I mean, you, you, you would welcome that, you know, because coaches oh, really? can get very personal. I don't know. 
See, I don't know what what flies anymore, but maybe this trailer is right where Ben Affleck can go really tear these kids down before building them back up. But I've thought about a lot if I'm in Ben Affleck's scenario. My, let's say my old high school just calls me out of the blue and says, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to believe it. The basketball coach had a heart attack last time. <laughs> he's, he's dead. OK, we booked a room for you in North Phoenix. It's an away game. You need to get out there. <laughs> Will you take the job? And I would be I would call the office and be like, look, guys, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm my old high school wants me to come coach and they haven't won a game since I've been there. And I am in my mid 30s right now. I would take the job immediately. And the first thing I would do, I would I would stay. I would get in the gym with the team and my arms crossed. I'm just staring at them all, looking them in the eyes. Two of them I cut right there. Two. I just, they're off the team. The other ones, I kick open the gym door. And I'm like, there's the door. Who wants it? And I get the ball and I just throw it and I kick it and I leave and into practice. First day, they know coach is a live wire. The thing is, in all these movies, yeah, tear these kids down before you build them up. I don't know if I make it past the tearing down stage. That's my only problem. I think they're all going to leave before I can build them back up. But I know, the towel. I know the trajectory of these films. You have to tear them down first, you know? So anyway, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for this. This is kind of movie right in my alley. This is interesting because that one was really dialed in. That was a, that was a prime. That was some prime Jesse Carey content there at yeah, number five. Perfect, number perfect. four. We've got some prime Tyler Huckabee content. We're, we're go, we're give, I, I hope we got one for JD and Chandler coming up here, but, but coming at number four this week, you can now watch the old X-Men episode where Wolverine becomes a Christian on Disney plus. This is one of my favorite. There's a column. Uh, over at, at, at the cut called I Think About This a Lot, where they bring up old like pop culture moments and people just write essays on why they think about them all the time. This would be my entry. Uh, this, this episode would be my entry into I Think About This All the Time. So the 90s X-Men TV show, now available in its entirety on Disney Plus's new streaming service, features an episode in which Wolverine becomes a Christian after a series of lengthy, in-depth spiritual conversations with his fellow X-Men Nightcrawler. <laughs> In the first episode of season four, titled Nightcrawler, it follows Wolverine, Rogue, and Gambit on a ski trip to Germany. It gets waylaid when the three take up shelter in a German monastery where they meet the pious Kurt Wagner, a mutant whose conventionally demonic appearance has driven him from society while his saintly demeanor chuffs Wolverine's trademark grouchiness. Throughout the episode, it's truly astonishing how in-depth this cartoon is willing to go into thorny theology, with Wolverine refusing to believe in a god who could let bad things happen to good people, while Nightcrawler strikes a distinctly Augustinian posture of trusting God's higher ways. God gave up on us a long time ago, Wolverine snarls. God does not give up on his children, Nightcrawler says. He is there for us in times of joy and when we are in pain, if we let him. Here's a clip. No, he's right. So all people are flawed and all struggle with their capacity for sin. None likes to be reminded of our shared human Chandler, weakness. Chandler, is this the N.T. Wright interview? Appearance. Did you cue that <laughs> up earlier? <laughs> Don't admit you're crazy. I must have gotten the clips But then I found oh, I see, I see. By devoting my life to God, he directed me to this place where they value the character of my heart, not my appearance. What are you talking about? We're mutants. God gave up on us a long time ago. No, my friend. God does not give up on his children, human or mutant. He is there for us in our times of joy and to help us when we are in pain. If we let him. Don't give me that easy answer, garbage. I've tried. 
Later in the episode, Nightcrawler gives Wolverine a Bible that he's marked up, and while Wolverine accepts it only reluctantly, Rogue later spies him praying Isaiah 12.1 in a church in Paris. This was really peak Tyler when I was a, when I was a little kid. <laughs> this was really something special because because I had finally something to share with my with my folks. Like if they needed to know, like I don't know, there's lots of violence in those X Men cartoons. They're always solving their problems by punching each other. And then you can run, you can show them this, and like, look, not only are they are they quoting the Bible. Using using talking about theology that that nobody in my Sunday school was talking about. They yeah. were digging into these sorts of questions, but they even have a little a little sinner's prayer there at the end. To uh, for anybody who's still watching, I would love to interview Dream Dreamtime Pie in the Sky interview request. I want to find the writer for this episode and figure out what was going on at the offices <laughs> of Fox at the time. Hey, I want to find out too, and I'll probably go back and watch Disney Plus because what I think is more even interesting than the presentation of the gospel in this episode of the X Men now on Disney Plus is that the season four s- season premiere, the whole plot line was about a ski trip. Like the X-Men are just hanging out and they're like, guys, man, fighting Magneto and all these bad guys for three whole seasons. We need a break. Who's down for some skiing? Like who wants like, is there a scene where the X-Men are just like on the slopes just for the fun of it? Like the opening, the the opening scene, you just, you can just watch them just up and down, up and down some, some, some like cat twos. See, that's like, it's like they've run out of plot lines. Like, there are no more bad guys. This is just they go on vacation to a ski resort. It's like those old TGIF episodes where, the, you know, Urkel and the gang go to Disney World and watch the Indiana Jones thing. And every episode that, you know, of that TGIF is at Disney World. Like, they just run out of stuff. And now the X-Men are skiing. <laughs> like, <laughs> where the, the whole plot line is, well, they get an argument on a ski trip. Like, it really kind of grinds you a halt by season four. You, know? <laughs> you also never, they, you, you kind of have to bank on for a lot of these superhero shows, not asking questions about money. Because these people are extremely busy. They have a lot going on. They have to be flying all over the world solving crime. We don't know how who is footing the bill for all this. <laughs> Batman, we know. He's got fun. money. Yeah. Tony Stark, we know. He's, he's got some money. But the rest of them, who, we don't know what the vacation time is. We don't know what the benefits package looks like. We definitely don't know who they called to get the ski resort set up in the X-Men mansion. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's okay. Professor X is like, you guys aren't going to believe this. I went to a very compelling presentation and somebody just bought into a timeshare at a ski resort. Who's with me? Two weekends a year. Pack it up, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesse, we've covered your prime content. Sports movies with with washed up heroes getting another shot of redemption. Yeah. We covered mine. Yelling at children in the process. (laughs) Correct. Covered mine. Superheroes on vacation where they discover God in the unlikeliest of places. Overseas. Now, JD, oh. we come to uh, something that I know is near and dear to your heart. Mm. I, I know this is this is prime John David Harris content. Number three this week, Jeopardy featured an incredibly <laughs> moving moment this week. <laughs> so the Jeopardy game show obviously isn't usually known for tugging at the old heartstrings, but the last few months of longtime host Alex Trebek's frank discussion of his battle with a bleak cancer diagnosis have lent the show an extra level of pathos. And on Monday, that extra level got the usually even-keeled Trebek to choke up a little, and it might do the same for you. Here's a clip in case you missed it. Drew, you're smiling. I like that. Let's take a look at your response. Did you come up with the right one? No? What is we love you out? That's very kind. Thank you. Costio, 1995. 
you're left with five bucks. Okay. Man, I can't even yeah. I can't even listen to this clip without like like getting kind of choked up. Yeah, Alex it, it was really sweet. And, and he's you know he's someone who I feel like if you're of a certain age, been in your life, even if it's just on the kind of outskirts of it, you've had an awareness of him pretty much your whole life. Like I, I can never remember a time where, you know, I didn't know who Alex Trebek was. It's really, sure, sure. you know, the, his diagnosis is really devastating, but that was such a, um, you know, moving little, little nod and, to him. You know? And it was a, it was a $2,000 like, like little, I love you card. Basically. No, see, that's yeah, the thing. That's, that's, that's the thing that, that actually frustrates me about it is like, it is sweet and it is kind. It's this great moment. But at the same time, like, the guy kept five bucks. Like he knows he was going to lose. I have to assume he didn't, like he just had no clue yeah, what the answer right. was. But <laughs> so he, 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 he bid 1995. It, like you're going to give Alex Trebek this moving, like closing moment, but you're going to keep you're five bucks for yourself. I don't know. That feels a little, <laughs> feels a little selfish. It's a it's, sweet moment, JD. It's a okay. sweet, I thought this was your, yeah. this was your prime content. No, yeah. I, I've always been confused as to why it's now socially acceptable. Like, I grew up like Jeopardy was for nerds and all this stuff. And it was whatever. I, I, it wasn't my thing or not, but yeah. like, I had no idea that it was all of a sudden this like cool thing t- for people to yeah. just like hang out at home and watch Jeopardy. Like, yeah, it's had a cultural huge. renaissance. Yeah, yeah it's, for it's sure. It's, I think crazy Netflix, thing. it's, it's on Netflix now. So you can just, it's, it's pretty bingeable content. It's just, yeah, it's comfort. It's, it's in the background. You can fold laundry. Well, I guess. It doesn't have to, it doesn't take a lot from you. Yeah, yeah I, it, it's great if you're like hanging out with your significant other or some friends. If you're the one who gets the most answers that night, because you yeah, can lord true. that over it's a good them feeling. for it's a good days. Feeling. Hey, Chan, remember? Hey, Chan, I don't know if you remember, remember watching. Do you tell the guys what happened when we were watching Jeopardy the other night? Man, I got like eight. Chandler got like. I mean, he kind of got one, but I think the judges probably would have ruled against it because he mispronounced the name. Um, but man, I got like eight. I think I could be in the circle of chance. I, you know, I think I could really practice. It's, you know, getting Jeopardy answers is an excellent thing to lord over people. You know? <laughs> Well, coming at number two this week, the new Invisible Man promises timely terror in the Me Too era. Okay, so H.G. Wells' The Invisible Man created a classic horror story by exploring the ways being able to get away with anything might torpedo someone's moral code. That premise, inventive at the time, got dulled by repetition, but it gets a timely update from Lee Wannell in an adaptation set to land next year. This week, we got our first look. This one stars Elizabeth Moss as a woman being stalked by an abusive ex who can't be seen. By rendering the Invisible Man as a metaphor for gaslighting, Wannell finds a way to ground this horror trope in a distressingly timely fashion, exploring the ways women are doubted, dismissed, and made to feel crazy for telling the truth. That makes for the sort of grounded, thoughtful terror that's come to define the horror genre in our era of prestige horror, in which movies use fear to illuminate societal ills. The Invisible Man stars Harriet Dyer, Storm Reed, and Aldous Hodge. It will release in February. I'm really excited about this movie. It does look very, very scary. Uh, There was an Invisible Man movie that was in the works a few, just a couple of years ago, starring Johnny Depp, and that kind of got tanked with the rest of the... uh, the like dark universe franchise. Yeah. And now obviously Johnny Depp doesn't make a whole lot of sense with some of the allegations that have come out yeah. about him and, uh, and Amber Heard. So using it, updating it like this based on the trailer, which is, which is very scary, a little violent, but it's, it's a really thoughtful, creative way to update that story for now. Yeah. That's, 
that's the great thing about like as you kind of alluded to in your description there is the, like the modern horror movement is really good at creating um interesting metaphors for social anxieties you know like i think when you look at you know we went through that big string of like zombie films and the walking Uh dead and things like that but ultimately those the all of those have the same question at the heart of them who's the actual monsters here like literally zombified corpses that eat flesh or are the real monsters people willing to do terrible things to other people to survive and for self-preservation? Like it's asking a really interesting mm-hmm. question, you know, um, for example, like, you know, the Christian apocalypse movies, those are not metaphors. Those are, that's literally a guillotine <laughs> operated by the forces of the antichrist. There's nothing to read into. That's literally what's happening. I don't know why she yelled, why she wanted the mark. I don't know. And coming at number one this week, Super Bowl hero, Nick Foles preached about faith, perseverance, and against the prosperity gospel at a press conference this week. So the journeyman quarterback became an unlikely sports hero when he led the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl victory over the New England Patriots in 2018 after entering the playoffs as a backup This year, in his first game of the season, he suffered a brutal broken clavicle injury, hasn't played since. However, as he plans on returning to the field this week, he addressed reporters and decided to talk about perseverance through trials. Here's a clip. You know, right when when I felt this thing break and I was going into the locker room, I just realized, you know, I just realized, God, this wasn't exactly what I was thinking when I came to Jacksonville. Obviously, you come here and you want to create a culture and impact people. But at the end of the day, I was like, God, this is the journey you want me to go on. I'm going to glorify you in every action um, good or bad, and you know, I still could have joy in an injury. Um, and that, that's people hear that and say that's crazy, but it's like when you believe in Jesus and you you go out there and you play, and that's that changes your heart. And you only understand it when you know that purpose in your life. Just like when I hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, the reason I'm smiling is my faith was in Christ. In that moment, I realized I didn't need that trophy to define who I was because it was already in Christ. And that's my message when I play. Same thing happens when I get injured. We tend to make this so much about us as human beings. We tend to make it about us as athletes. It's not about us. It really isn't. And if you make it about yourself, you're probably going to go home at night, lay your head on your pillow, and be very alone and very sad. And then hopefully someday you can find that purpose in your life. Because my purpose isn't football. It's impacting people. And I, my, my ministry happens to be the locker room. And I've been able still to get to know people, get to know these guys through an injury. Though I might not be playing that is difficult from a fleshly perspective, but from the spiritual perspective, from my heart, I've been able to grow as a human being to where I feel like I'm in a better situation here as a person than I was before because of the trial I just went under. And I know that's a sermon in itself, but that's how I go through life. And the good Lord's been there to, you know, it's not always about prosperity. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I believe if you read the word of God and you understand it, there's trials along the way, but they equip your heart to be who you are. So I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big Nick Foles fan. I just think he's a, a great dude. And I think it's great that he launches literally into like a five minute sermon when someone's like, how do you feel yeah. like coming back yeah, next this cool. week, this week, Nick? You know? Well, I'm glad you said <laughs> something about that because let me tell you about the prosperity gospel. <laughs> yeah, he's actually, he's talked about becoming a pastor after he retires from football. It sounds like it's not going to be too hard of a transition. No, that sounds it sounds right up his alley. He's definitely got the uh, and, and, hey. Anybody out there who's willing to to talk down the prosperity gospel right now in 2019 gets got up got my vote. It's kind of a hot take anymore, but but it's a good one. All right, well that'll do it for. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's just- We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, NT Wright joins us. 
listening to Runner by Tennis. Today's featured interview is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a clean landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or even an appealing online store, it's all possible with Squarespace. They have award-winning templates, customizable settings, and of course, powerful e-commerce tools. And right now, Squarespace is offering Relevant Daily listeners a special deal. They head over to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code RELEVANT to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain at squarespace.com slash relevant. Well, N.T. Wright is, of course, a renowned Bible scholar, a retired Anglican bishop, and is currently a senior research fellow at Oxford University. He is the author of dozens of books, including his latest, The New Testament in Its World, An Introduction to the History, Literature, and Theology of the First Christians. I recently got to speak with N.T. Wright a little bit about this book and how he feels about people using the Bible in today's modern context and ways we can get better at that. Here's my conversation with Dr. N.T. Wright. So I want to start by just getting an overview of this book. Uh, you've written a lot of books. What was it about this one that made you decide, like, this is the book I want to write now? Well, it, it kind of grew. Um, I think it was originally rooted about 10 years ago. And it's basically because now that I'm very long in the tooth and semi-retired and so on, I'm looking back over the work that I've done over many years and thinking, well, actually, uh, I can't rely on first-year undergraduate students or seminarians reading every single book that I've written. But if I were to boil it down and present it in an attractive and usable format, then it might just be something that my colleagues who teach first-year students might find very handy, both to introduce them to the New Testament and, of course, as, as an extra bonus, as it were, to introduce them to my larger books, which hinted at throughout this book. And I think that's people seem to have responded well to that so far. So help me understand, uh, people like to use the Bible, particularly Paul's letters, to comment on contemporary social issues. Let's just take one obvious example from the States right now with immigration. Uh, there's Bible verses that talk about immigration in a variety of ways. People like to use these verses to help uh, fortify their own personal beliefs about immigration. But uh, sometimes to do that, you have to sort of extrapolate these verses out of the context of the ancient world. How can we be more intelligent with the way that we use the Bible to talk about modern social social issues? That, that's, that's a really important question. We face exactly the same question in Britain right now, with different political parties squaring off in the upcoming election and in relation to Brexit and so on. And we've had large-scale immigration for a long time, and it's often been a cause celebre, and different politicians have taken different views, etc. Now, in the middle of that, right throughout Scripture, Israel in the Old Testament is called to welcome the stranger, is called to be hospitable. Uh, you've got things like the story of the book of Ruth and so on, which are worked examples of how somebody can come in from the outside and become a valued and highly valued and cherished member of Israel's national story. And the early church was constantly uh, aiming to welcome people of all sorts. Jesus said, many will come from East and West and sit down at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, the question is, how does that which is a Christian imperative, and that's how church life ought to be lived, how does that translate into public policy in any given country? And of course, 
in the ancient world, they didn't have countries like we do. They did have rough borders, but countries tended to be one or two big cities with the hinterland around with very porous borders all over. I mean, the Middle East wasn't divided into countries in the way we know it now. Um, and, and most of the world wasn't. Um, it, that's a very modern idea that we have countries with boundaries and with customs posts as we now know. And so trying then to say, what is wise for this country, granted our resources, granted our healthcare system, granted our schooling, etc. Is it wise to let two million people into our small country, I'm thinking of Britain, into our small country every year and just expect the health service, etc. to absorb them? And if that isn't wise, what criteria are we going to use? And other countries like, say, Australia and New Zealand, which, which I know a bit, and obviously they're, they're all British colonies, um, they have developed policies for saying we are not excluding everybody, but we want to be wise in terms of what will help them and what will help us. And those are questions that Christians could take a view on. But in the middle of it, the church ought to say, as far as we're concerned, anyone who names the name of Christ is welcome, not just welcome, but encouraged to come and share the table with us. And this is the great imperative of Galatians 2 itself, is that all those who name the name of Jesus belong at the same table, whatever their background, social, um, gender, etc., etc. And if only the Western churches themselves can Catholic, Protestant, charismatic, liberal, whatever, if only they had realized that over the last 400 years, we would be in a better position then to speak to our governments about what it might look like to have a wise immigration policy today. But you're quite right. You can't read it straight off out of the New Testament because that simply isn't a question which is being addressed any more than is, say, the question of fossil fuels or the question of pollution or the question of um, all sorts of issues like that, which, which are questions that arise out of the Industrial Revolution, which, of course, was completely unknown in the ancient world. One last question for you before we have to go. Uh, it seems to me that a lot of times when we talk about the the early church, the first century church, there is a level of, of thrill and excitement in some of those early days because it was so countercultural, it was so revolutionary, whereas today so much of the church is identified with the status quo. Is it is it possible for us to sort of recapture that, that early spark that was so exciting for the church at the time? Uh, and if so, how do we do that? It, it, it is and it isn't. And I, I know people who work in churches which do have some of that zip and that sparkle about them. But of course, any church that does that will sooner or later face the second generation question. I was preaching at a big church in Chicago, you probably know Willow Creek, a few years ago. And one of the leaders there said to me, of course, we've been going 25, 30 years now, and we're facing the question of the second generation. How do you do the transition into the second generation? And he said, we're actually thinking about things like liturgy, which we've not really worried about before. And my response was, I come from a church which is multi-generations and lots of liturgy, but we don't have all the life and the zip that you have. So maybe we do a deal and actually learn from one another here. And I think there should be a lot more sharing between different types of churches. And maybe with more militant secularism, we need to do more of that anyway. But I think as well, we shouldn't um, uh, play up the New Testament experience too much. If you read between the lines in Acts, and if you read the lines themselves in Paul, there are all sorts of problems. And one of the liveliest churches that he's got, namely Corinth, my goodness, they gave him a headache. And so 
it isn't all, oh, they had such a good time then and how come we have such a dreary time now? There were In Acts, there are times when Paul is, is in real trouble. And in Second Corinthians, he talks about a time when he experienced such uh, a crushing time that he despaired of life itself. Um, and this doesn't sound like the zip and the bounce that we often imagine. Um, and I think, you know, God gives to different churches and different Christians what they need at the time. And sometimes what we most need is that, that, that wonderful phrase of a long obedience, just being prepared to put one foot in front of another and to wait for God to give the times of refreshment or exuberance or whatever, which may not come as often as we would like. But um, as I've often said to people with, with the relation to guidance, but this goes for spiritual experience in general. You get the guidance you need when you need it, which is usually a bit later than you wanted it. And, and that's because part of what we have to learn is patience. Goodness, God has so much patience with us, and I'm jolly glad he does, because I need him to have a lot of patience with me. But we need to be patient as well, and not assume that because everything isn't quite as bouncy as we thought it might be, it's all gone horribly wrong. That was N.T. Wright. Next up, our listener of the week. You're listening to July 4th by Elliot Moss. All right, it's time for our listener of the week. This is the part of the show where we call up one of you because you sent us some interesting facts about yourself online and you have some stories you want to tell us. And we hear all about those stories. Jesse, who do we have this week? This week we have Heather. And I'm very excited for Heather to be on with us. Um, I'll get to her facts in a minute. But Heather did something interesting that we'll, we'll get to. But she kind of did a trade-off. She gave two interesting facts, but then she she asked for some advice from JD because JD, <laughs> Heather has a paranormal situation on her oh, hands. So I'm here for it. <laughs> I want to get to that. But first, welcome to the show, Heather. Hi. Heather, where, where are you calling us from? Um, Bowling Green, Ohio. <laughs> Bowling Green, Ohio. Bowling Very haunted Green. and paranormal place. Yes, I know it well. I know it well. <laughs> Heather, Heather, what do you do there in Bowling Green? I am a college student. <laughs> what are you, what are you have you decided your major? Or are you, are, are you are you studying anything in particular? I am really unknown. I'm a psychology major, just confused. <laughs> It's not too psychology. late to switch over to parapsychology. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> it, is, it is not too late. Well, hold on. Why, Heather, before we dig in your questions, maybe we can help you. Why are you confused about your major? Is it you just you're second guessing yourself or, or, or you, you, you know, you consider another field? What what makes you a confused psychology major, Heather? Man, I don't I don't know what I want to do, you know? <laughs> Oh, I, hey, trust me, that doesn't stop when you get out of college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch out, you could end up on a podcast. You could, you know, 15 years could go by from the day of your graduation. You're like, what have I done with my life other than record 900 hours of insane ranting on a podcast? So the psychology degree, I would stick with that or else you might yeah, be in I one of our shoes. You're, you're, on, you're on a way better track right now than anybody on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, it sounds like your professional, your professional actually makes make a healthy 
contribution to society, and you won't mainly be known for falling out of a bunk bed onto someone. Okay, so uh, Heather, I want to jump to uh, before we get to your facts. Explain to JD. We're going to let you and JD handle this one. That you need his paranormal advice. What what have you gotten yourself into there, Heather? I should actually preface this. I'm a young life leader, and I hang out with col- or not college kids, high school kids all the time. Okay. And one time, well, so there's this street where I'm from. It's called Holcomb Woods. Totally basic, like haunted thing that everyone says is haunted. Been there. I'm not kidding you. Hundreds of times. But one night, like almost exactly a year ago, around Halloween, <laughs> these high school kids are like, "Please take me to this woods." So I was like, "Yeah, I guess." Like, <laughs> um, I know their parents pretty well, so they're good with it. So I take them. Like, we go through it. Like, nothing happens. Super boring. Like, it's it's a woods right in the middle of the road. Like, quarter mile road each side woods right in the middle. The road goes right through it. Super weird. Can I ask one quick question? Is it is it nighttime? Yeah, it's Halloween night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's night. night. Okay. It's okay. Like Eleven o'clock. I don't know. Oh yeah. Nothing happens. We go through it. They're like, "That was boring." I was like, "I know. I'm really sorry." I'm like, let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so we turn around and go the other way. But for some reason, when we go the other way, <laughs> I'm like joking, tell them about like this time we like tried to leave my friend there and like he freaked out. I'm like just telling the story, not paying attention. And in the middle of the road, I, this is so hard to explain. It's like. Just one, <laughs> one white light in the middle of the road, and I like what? slam on my brakes. Everybody starts screaming. It's like it's so hard to explain. Like maybe the size of a basketball. Oh, it's an orb. It stopped and then flew into the woods. Okay, what? but and what? so every time I've ever tried to Google about it, <laughs> yeah, I can't find anything, and it's like so hard to explain. And I'm like, I just backed up all the way down the road, like in the left, and then we're it was like silence in the car. I was like, did you guys see that? And one of the girls was like. No, you guys just started screaming. I freaked out. I was like, okay, maybe to my head. And then the other girl was like, but did you see the white light? I was like, oh my goodness. I have no idea what it was. Like, it couldn't have been a headlight because it like, there's only one. It was close to the ground. It like flew. I don't know. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Okay. This is a fantastic story. This is great. This is, this is good fodder. Um, so yeah. So I think, uh, you know, what the, what the naysayers would accuse this of is they would say that you had an encounter with what they call ball lightning, which is a very rare case of lightning that can, that can, uh, appear. But I'm willing to guess it probably wasn't a bunch of storms going on. Probably not a lot of electrical activity. Right? No, oh. Exactly. <laughs> Eerily so, calm you know, night is a matter Yeah, of exactly. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so the, uh, the term in the biz is that you were witness <laughs> to an orb. <laughs> And the the orbs, uh, it's either uh, the theories are either that it is uh, some sort of uh, energy transference, some sort of like collected energy source or cycle uh, that uh, manifests itself in a fourth dimensional space. And so um, a lot of people uh, say that it's connected with uh, ghost activity or something. Uh, we couldn't uh, we couldn't uh, totally. I mean. You're in an area of the woods that has supposedly seen other paranormal activity and stuff. So, like, I don't necessarily want to fully rule out the idea that it could be some sort of atmospheric anomaly that's localized to that place that people have uh, diagnosed as something paranormal. Well, maybe it's actually fairly normal, just 
just or not a, with a flashlight not trying to freak you guys out. Right, yeah. right. Flashlights yeah. can happen. Uh, <laughs> but typically, uh, they kind of like, uh, it's kind of, it kind of just floats. Yeah. Is it, did it float? I don't want to lead you. I don't want to lead the witness here, but like, it's just kind of it's, like a, like yeah, a, so like I said, it was like a couple feet off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Like just like, low, wow. but like not high. Right. And then it kind of just kind of bounces its way off into the distance. Right. Before it, before you don't see it anymore. Like, low key. No, that's what's weird. It like sh- shot into the woods mm. and then like disappeared. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I, I think what we have here is the plot for the first horror offering from Pure Flex Films. Mm. This, this Halloween, <laughs> uh, this harvest season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One young life leader. Instead of taking gl- her kids to the trunk or treat, decided to take her into the heart of the haunted <laughs> right. wood. For, for a dance with the dark side. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I would watch that. It sounds, it sounds terrifying. I'm assuming you haven't been back there, Heather. Yeah. So I would say no. We we go back all the time. Oh boy! No, see that's oh, what I was going to say. You're just, step you're number just, one in the hornet's nest. <laughs> yeah, step number one is just great. Cool, you found Can't something weird. Don't go there anymore. I would not get. I would not. I would not go. You know, trying to befriend the creepy uh, light ball that you found out in <laughs> right, the yeah, haunted yeah, woods yeah, with yeah. your the let's, life. Okay, let's, let's just uh, say the uh, orbs aren't all Casper, and uh, you know, the only ghost yeah. that you want hanging around is the Holy Ghost. So uh, you want him? Invite uh, him yeah, next time. Yeah. Invite yeah. him. Yeah. Invite him next time. Uh, Amen. All right, all right, Heather, you you've given us uh, two uh, two more. Uh, very interesting. Honestly, I was going to be more interesting than that because it was a fantastic story. Right. Okay, yeah. Heather, <laughs> you had a professor. I'm assuming this is one of your psychology professors. Actually, try to sue you. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. why you're reconsidering your degree. Why did a professor try <laughs> to sue you? Okay, so <laughs> this lady <laughs> asked me to dog sit for her. <laughs> okay. Oh. So I did. She, like, was leaving the country or something. I don't know. I didn't even know her very well. But, so I'm dog sitting for her. The dogs were pretty good. It was, like, for two weeks. I'm not kidding, like, the last day. <laughs> they, like, got into something, tore up a bunch of papers, and all of this lady's workout DVDs. <laughs> workout DVDs? I was like, oh, no. Um. So she gets home, and I'm, like, telling her, I'm like, yeah, they, like, this happened in the room, like, the carpet, all that. She's like, oh, it's fine. Like, I showed her. A couple weeks later, I get a letter in the mail with, like, the receipts to each of these workout <laughs> She's like, I need you to repay me. Like, we can set up a payment plan or else I will take you to court. <laughs> Is this before or after like, the orb? Because there might be a curse on your hands. I'm just yeah, saying. I think you. <laughs> I think you invited the orb in, and that I think. I don't think it's the. I don't think the dogs had anything to do with those workout DVDs getting messed up. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like the work of an evil orb to me. Yeah, that is that is a poltergeisting orb. So, for so sure. did you? Classic. Did you, Heather? In this situation, did you lawyer up? Did you get? Did you get an attorney to come in and, and, and tell them that you're not liable for these workout DVDs? What what happened? What was the outcome? I never actually ended up contacting her again. Like my legal advice was to ignore her. I think it's all settled now. <laughs> well, Heather, I I want to as someone who has found themselves in numerous legal predicaments, I have found that the best strategy is to do what you've done. Ignore it and just pretend it doesn't happen and if you get served, throw it right into the garbage can and pretend you never ruined all those workout DVDs. All right, finally, Heather, your childhood nemesis 
is now the main character of a Disney Channel show. Oh, man. Who, who did who, who you've already angered a professor who has no guidance for their workouts anymore because their DVDs are destroyed. You have angered a multidimensional orb from another time and place. And now you've angered a beloved Disney Channel star. Heather, what what happened? Why was this person your nemesis and what show are they on? They're on a show. It's called um, Bonked. It's a spinoff of Jesse. Okay. I don't know Sorry. if you're familiar with Disney shows. I just got you're, the app. I just got Disney Plus. It, I'll check it, it, it out on right when we get off. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get it. Should be on Disney Plus. It's it's on Disney. It's like it airs. It's like new episodes come out now. She okay. moved to LA when we were in like middle school, but in elementary school, I don't even know why we hated each other. But like every recess, we knew at some point we were going to like argue and like. Loki bully each other I don't know <laughs> like just fight like fight it out verbally <laughs> and like it happened every single recess for like years and then one day like she just didn't show up to recess <laughs> and like she never came back and I like didn't know where she went and she moved to LA and then eventually like now she's in this show <laughs> it sounds like your daily verbal sparring matches eventually drove uh, this individual to move from Bowling Green to pack up her workout DVDs and get Mm -hmm. out of town. And you know what? It worked out. It worked out just fine for her. So I wouldn't feel too bad (laughs) about all those verbal beatdowns from back in the day. sounds like it's worked out okay. And aside from this snafu and the legal trouble you find yourself in with these workout DVDs, it sounds like you're doing pretty well. And I think you're going to be a great psychologist one day, Heather. Heather, we thank you for joining us. And thank you for being a young life leader. That's a really awesome thing to do. Yeah, it is really cool. Someone I'm traumatizing kids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With ghosts, so. Heather, thanks, thanks a lot, Heather. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Hey. When people start talking about their the lawsuits on here, I, I get really nervous because we don't because I don't we, do, do you know what I mean? Who like, keeps who receipts? Enough legal trouble. First right. off, who owns workout DVDs? Right? I mean, that's, that's, yeah. who owns DVDs DVD. at all? I don't even have right. a device that can play. I literally looked for a device in my house that could play a DVD. I'm like, I gotta go buy a. You know, <laughs> I don't the, even know what you buy. You gotta anymore. go like check it out of the library or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can't, I don't even they sell DVD players to Best Buy anymore. You know, like yeah, I don't even order you. But yeah. who and who has like? Well, I know exactly where the receipts for those old workout DVDs are. Let me go fetch them. And I'll tell you how much you owe me. Who keeps that stuff? You know, scam. Hey, you know what? Nice Jesse, try. this might be one of your traps. Another one of yeah, your traps. Exactly. Like Same when you thing. when you're watching somebody's place and all of a sudden you see a bunch of scattered workout DVDs. Trap! Get out! <laughs> it's a grift. <laughs> They're gonna charge me for those. <laughs> <laughs> those. Those P90X DVDs, hands off! Yeah. Well, I think that'll try to do it for us. Hey, if you want to be a uh, our listener of the week, all you got to do is do what Heather did. Get in, get on uh, our relevant podcast on Twitter. Send us a direct message. Send us three interesting facts about yourself, things that have a story with them. And if you also, if you have a paranormal issue, if you got a problem and you don't know who to call, you don't know who to turn to, we got a man, JD in the house right here is ready to, we're now, to serve we're kind now. of your like Ghostbusters, X-Files, uh, what, I don't even know, The Conjuring. Yeah, there's, there's a little career in this for you, JD. The, yeah, do this. yeah. I mean, um, I should have been a Catholic, so I could have just been an exorcist. But you know, that would have been cool. Yeah, that should have sailed. I think. <laughs> listen, relevant podcast. We are now handling all of your paranormal slash legal needs, and if you have a legal paranormal problem, maybe the ghost of a lawyer is coming after you. That's that's a different show. I'm afraid that's a different that's podcast. A, you're going to find, find yeah. someone else because that's out of our pay grade. So. 
<laughs> well, hey, many thanks to N.T. Wright for joining us. The New Testament and its world, an introduction to the history, literature, and theology of the first Christians is out now. Also, many thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring that conversation. Head over to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. When you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, squarespace.com slash relevant. Also, if, as long as you're over on our Apple podcast page, maybe subscribe to Relevant Daily. That's where I uh, join you, me and Clark, to get take you through some of the top stories at the intersection of faith and culture every week. It's just a 10-minute podcast where we give you the quick breakdown. And I think with that, I, we will wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm John Evan Harris. We'll see you next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. For listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe Someone set a trap in the bathroom. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.